Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, July 12th, 2020, and the title of today's sermon is Righteousness Rising. Come on. Man, oh man, did we have a good service on Wednesday night. See, we learned that the clear biblical standard provides for our hope in the resurrection. When we are fully relying in that powerful transformation, we have the radiance of the heavens upon our faces. We become radiant in our very nature because of the hope of the resurrection. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Of course you can handle the difficulty. Yes. Of course you can handle sickness. Of course you can handle mourning. You know why? Because you have the radiant hope of the resurrection. And it's upon each of us in this house. Amen and amen. Are we radiant this morning, church? Yeah. Hey, we want to continue with this theme. So let's all turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21. Colossians 1.21 Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That is so true. <clears throat> but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Say physical. Physical. Physical body. Through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Come on now. Since we read this church, we see that we once were alienated. Can anybody say amen to that? We once were alienated. See, our own evil behavior set us up as enemies opposed to God, but that is no longer the case. See, but now it says through the physical body of Christ, you have been reconciled, restored, resurrected in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Brought back in right relationship with God. But this required something. It required death. The death of Christ's physical body. Because death was the portal that Christ's physical body had to pass through in order to present you holy in His sight. Well, ladies, this is hope. You are without blemish in Christ. For all of us, we are free from accusation. Walk around with your heads held high on that one. See, our bodies die as a result of sin in the world. Let me make that clear. But our bodies rise as a result of righteousness. The spirit of righteousness that's actually rising in us right now. Come on now. Let's look at verse 23 as we continue in Colossians 1. If you continue in your faith. <laughs> the Being free from accusation, being free from blemishes happens if you continue in your faith. Established and firm. Not moved. Listen to this. From the hope held out in the gospel. Yes. Come on now. This is the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. That you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And of which I, Paul, have become a servant. See, the reward of being without blemish and free from accusation is contingent upon the if you continue. Yeah. Man, what has the Lord been doing in our midst in the last several weeks? He's been moving it from a concept of a vague concept of what the gospel is to making sure that we have the full gospel. Somebody say full gospel. Full gospel. That the gospel that we are presenting is completely relying upon, it's founded upon the hope of the resurrection. See, this is the hope held out in the gospel. This is what you must hold on to. What hope? What gospel? That resurrection power that is going to complete its work inside of us is going to complete its work inside of you. And He's going to do it 
and he's working in us now. Somebody say now. Now. Boy, isn't that a different thought process for the power and the hope of the resurrection? It's not just something that is far off. Yes, pastor, we believe in that. We start sounding like those in John 11 going, yes, we know Lazarus will be raised at the last day somewhere. We have hope in this power that one day after we're done, we get to enjoy. That's not the hope of the gospel. We have that, yes, but we have the hope that that power that's going to be there then is with us now. Come on now. Who needs some hope now? Oh, man, we got that hope now so we can give it now. Let's take a holistic approach at this and go to Genesis chapter 17. Come on. We'll look at verse 7. Say, there when you are there. Amen. Genesis 17, 7. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. See, God is speaking to Abram here. And in this chapter, his name gets changed, changed to Abraham. And with this name change comes a setting up for an eternal and and lasting uh, covenant. In verse 7, it gives us the language and all the parties that are involved in this everlasting covenant. We have God. We have Abraham. We have Abraham's descendants, the generations that are to come. There's a promise that is made that he's going to be his God and the God of his descendants. So you have a physical man with a physical family, physical future generations that are promised a physical land that they will all dwell in. These are all connected in a real physical realm that was for him and his descendants. But here's the point. There had to be a real physical resurrection in Abraham's body in order for all those promises to come true. It wasn't just the hope for the distant future. Abraham and his descendants had to walk in the hope that was now the resurrection power now that would give them hope to hold on to those promises. See, because of sin, though, Abram's body was as good as dead. Does that language sound familiar? But because of righteousness that comes by faith, Abraham's body and his descendants were able to rise to receive the promises of God. Whenever we hold to that same hope that Abraham does, it also rises inside of us to know the certainty that we're going to receive that same promise. Come on, that's a good word. Let's look in Genesis 26 to see how this carries forward. Genesis 26, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5. Somebody say righteousness rising when you get there. Stay in this land for a little while, says Genesis 26.3. And I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. What is it going to look like for God to fulfill this promise? To Isaac and his descendants. It's the same promise that God just gave to Abraham a few chapters before. And will confirm the oath. I swore to your father, Abraham, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands, a very physical place. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me 
and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, yeah. my laws. See, we're looking at the same family, so we're understanding that we're hearing the same promise to the next generation. See, this father is producing a family that has the exact same promises that will last into the future generations. Yeah. See, righteousness is rising in this family, and you're looking at it. You're watching it take place over the chapters of God's Word. By the time that we get to verse 4, we understand that we're having the quality and the quantity of the heavenly realm that is now our standard. The quantity and the quality of the stars that are here being observed. See, why? Look at verse 5. Because. Somebody say because. Because. Because of the obedience of Abraham. See, as righteousness is rising in this man, it is being perpetuated through his generation. Because of the righteousness that was rising inside of him, his family and the nation that would come from him, we see that the promise carries on. That's much better than the way you're acting. Yes, pastor, we know that. Of course we do. Yeah, but see, you're still thinking about it for someone else somewhere else. You're still trying to see it, and it's, it's something distant. What we're trying to do is take this and make it very personal to us today. Talk about the effect of righteousness rising inside of somebody. Yeah. One man's obedience. One man's obedience is rising and is being seen in his family, and it's impacting even you and I today. Somebody yes. say today. today. Somebody say now. See, this righteousness rising, that's exactly what it does. It allows us to walk in the resurrection power. And it touches one life, one family, and one nation. And we are proof of that. Now it's our responsibility to let the righteousness rise in us so that it will carry forward. Amen? Somebody say, it's my responsibility. It's also your responsibility to stay right there in Genesis. And I'm going to read to you Hebrews 11, 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. All right, so sacrificing your son, it's no small feat, right? It's kind of a big issue. And the very one through whom an everlasting covenant would become manifest. That it would be fulfilled through. So it's not just your one and only son. It's the son of the promise from which all God's promises will be fulfilled. See, but Abraham reasoned. He believed. He had trust-grounded obedience that demonstrated his hope in the resurrection. See, his his pre-existing hope in the resurrection gave him the ability to see the resurrection potential for his son, even when asked to sacrifice him. Because he figuratively did see a resurrection there on Mount Moriah with Isaac. And by having that pre-existing hope in the resurrection, he was able to see the promises of God resurrected right before his eyes in his son's life. See, we sacrifice, we make sacrifice because of sin in the world. But we rise because of righteousness rising inside of us. Experiencing resurrection power day in and day out as we conquer sin inside of us day in and day out. See, this is what we're trying to move to today. See, Abraham had a belief in the resurrection that was so strong. He understood it so well. 
that he knew that God was going to have to resurrect Isaac anyway for his promise to come about. Even if it meant that he had to offer his own son, he was trusting in this. And because his faith in the resurrection was so strong, because the righteousness was rising so well inside of him, what happened was, is he did figuratively receive his son back from the dead. Come on, what areas in your life are you going to have to have some figurative resurrections inside of you because of the righteousness that's rising? Come on, this makes it not just something somewhere else for someone else in some other time. It's for us today. That what we do today has to allow the resurrection to rise within us. Whether it's figurative or will be literal one day, we can trust in both. Let's go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, we've talked about Abraham, we've talked about Isaac. In Genesis 28, we're going to look at Jacob as well. Righteousness rising when you get there. Genesis 28, 13. It says this, there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Now, here we are again, church, the third generation through. We're hearing the same promise because God's promises don't change. The righteousness rising in these men allow these promises to have started there and continue on even to this present day. Look at verse 14. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. Whether you are in quantity and quality like the stars or trying to make sure that he understands how he's spreading it out like the dust of the earth. He's saying all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Does anybody want to have that kind of promise alive inside of you? See, most of Christianity in our day and time has made it only about you. Only about what the word is doing inside of you. If that at all. It's so self Focus. What we're saying is it's got to be about you and your descendants and through the future generations. It's got to be that way because this is the very promise that was established throughout the word. See, a resurrection has to be somebody say has to be. It has to be physical. It has to be tangible. It has to be visual. You have to be able to see it. Why? Because it's not just for someday in the future. It's for you today. That resurrection power has to be at work. Our bodies may die as a result of sin in the world. But the righteousness rising is able to elevate us. It raises us up. It raises up our lives. It raises up our hopes. It raises up our bodies. Does anybody need to have a resurrection inside of you today? Amen. You know what, church? As righteousness is rising inside of you, that resurrection power is there available for you. The sin that you're conquering today, that you're going to war with today, will be the sin that is mastered by the generations of tomorrow. They will have their fights, but they won't have this fight that you're having right now. The more that you seek for righteousness to rise inside of you right now, the more you are guaranteeing what is to come for the future generations to inherit. That promises of God's righteous and divine nature at work within you that can then be at work within them. Let's go to Genesis 50 and see how this continues on in Abraham's generations. Genesis 50, verse 24. Get it, baby. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. Like it when we can hear from God. But God will surely come to your aid 
and take you up out of this land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. What did Joseph have within him? He had a righteousness that was rising, giving it to the next generations of what they needed to do. He's telling them, my bones will be resurrected physically in the physical land that God originally promised to my grandfather. I will receive the promise that was made to him. I'm not going to miss out on this. It was a Holy Ghost FOMO. Actually, there was no fear. It was a fear of God involved. His attitude was, my physical body will be placed in this physical land that's awaiting a physical, tangible, and visible resurrection. But here's one thing that we noticed. God spoke to Abraham about this promise. God spoke to Isaac and he spoke to Jacob, but there's no clear indication of him speaking it directly to Joseph as he did to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what, what's happening here? It's exactly what is happening within this house in our lives that we are receiving as first generation the revelation from the heavens about righteousness rising and resurrection power. We're handing it to the next, to the next. But what is able to transpire and transfer is a revelation that is genuine inside of them as if they heard it directly from God because they see it displayed in our own life. See, Joseph was showing a wholehearted, trust-grounded obedience in what was handed down to him from his forefathers. And he proved it true over and over again in his life. How many times was Joseph delivered from death? Multiple times. And eventually he sees this righteousness rising in himself as God begins to elevate him through the midst of those, those moments of death. And then it reaches out to his own brothers. His brothers are eventually restored to him. His father is restored back to him. In fact, from his father's point of view, Jacob receives Joseph back from the dead. There's resurrection power in their relationships. There was a transformation that the whole world could see through Joseph and his family. And that they could experience the benefits of righteousness rising inside of them that literally provided salvation for the entire world. See, Joseph experienced death because sin was in the world. But he would rise to be seated on the throne because of the righteousness that was continually rising inside of him again and again and again. Church, do you see how that resurrection is required on an almost daily basis in our lives? That we need this resurrection power to be rising within us? See, it's not only that Joseph had the hope in Christ's resurrection, but... In the resurrection. He had his own resurrection. See, he understood something that was going on, like what we've been learning about 1 Corinthians 15. See, it's not only hope in the resurrection someday, but that the righteous, that is, that righteousness that is rising upon us now is part of our hope. We're saying that that same resurrection power that we will see in fulfillment later on, we're going to see, and we need it every single day. A righteousness that's making an impact on our lives now. Somebody say now. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 26 as we continue. Isaiah chapter 26, and let's look at verse 18. 
Come on, we need some righteousness rising. We need some resurrection power in our lives even today. Let's look at what Isaiah 26, 18 says. We were with child. We writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to the people of the world. Man. Sin is causing a serious problem here as we look in and we begin the story in Isaiah. Sin was causing a problem because they weren't bringing salvation to the world. They weren't functioning in their purpose, their mezuzah, their family banner. See, they had those things and they understood them, but there was a sin problem that was keeping them from walking in these things. But let's look at the next verse to see what happens when righteousness starts to rise. But your dead will live. Yeah. Their bodies will rise. Yes. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth can give birth to her dead. See, can you hear it right there, church? Can you hear what's going on? It's the sound of righteousness rising in the hearts of God's people. Righteousness that is rising and it brings about the resurrection in their bodies. The dead will live. Bodies will rise. It is time to wake up and shout. Now, can anybody sympathize with what's going on here in Isaiah? Have you ever felt like a failure? Have you ever started off the conversation and be like, yeah, I don't know if I can get this done. I, I don't think that I'm doing everything that is supposed to be there. I feel like I'm missing something. See, but they knew. They understood. They had a belief that they would rise for the sake of righteousness. Yeah. See, these fathers who are teaching it to their families and bringing it to the future generations, you got to have this understanding. This will keep you from, in one verse, saying, yeah, I don't think I can do this. It's not going the way that I think that it should. I don't see the fruit that's supposed to be there, but I have a righteousness that's rising in me, and I know that it will Amen. get done. I know that this will be accomplished. Amen. Church, we're part of a global plan. You don't have to turn there, but... Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says that multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Multitudes. This is not only for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. It's not only for the nation of Israel, but we're finding out that this power of the resurrection is for the world. It's for all of us. It's for the global plan. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, but others to shame and everlasting contempt. There's going to be resurrection power at work. The determination, the distinction inside of you is that sin brings about shame and contempt, but righteousness rising in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, raises us up to have everlasting life. And that's what we're going for today. When righteousness is rising inside of you, it is casting off shame. It is destroying guilt. It is enabling you to have right relationship with God and stand confidently that you have access to resurrection power now and resurrection power to come. Turn to Job chapter 19. Say righteousness rising when you get there. We'll look at verse 25. Ooh, Annie Clement is getting it. Please and fast getting there. Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. What? I myself will see Him with my own two eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. 
See, Job is possibly the, the most historic view of the resurrection. And with this set as a precedent, that from the beginning, the resurrection power, righteousness rising to resurrection power, has always been there. It's always been in place for you to put your hope in. That he says, I know that, I'm, that my Redeemer lives. And if he lives, guess what? So do I. That tomb is empty. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. There is no problem too great for me. Of course I can handle this. Resurrection power is at work within me. Righteousness is rising within me. I don't like the way he plainly states it in Job 19. After all, my skin has been destroyed. Just to make sure all this is gone. I will see God. I will see God in my own flesh. I will have a resurrected body that experiences resurrection power. I'll see him with my own two eyes. Not only me, but my family. Not only my family, but the future generations that God has given me. And how this causes a yearning, a longing, a desperation in our hearts for us to have a hold on this resurrection power. You see, Job's life is so well known for the suffering that he went through. And that was because of sin. He experienced suffering and death. But because of righteousness revealed from the heavens to him, he was able to rise and therefore be restored. Righteousness was constantly at work to rise within him that eventually put him in the place of God restoring even greater things than what the devil had taken away. Man. Look at that last phrase there on your screen in verse 27. How my heart yearns within me. Can you say that that's what happens when you're thinking about the resurrection power of God being at work in your life? See, because almost every passage we've read for the last several weeks, for the last several sermons, has been talking about this longing to see that full-fledged resurrection power in us because it is so central to our everyday life that there's a yearning, there's a longing, how my heart yearns within me. Yearns for within me for what? To be able to have a resurrection power at work in us. Man, it's causing that transformation power to be seen in us now. It's what we're yearning for now. Amen. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 20. Somebody say, righteousness rising when you get there. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Yeah. See, the, sa the waiting the Savior for the Savior here is not His first coming. It's the second coming. It's the desire to see that resurrection power. See, church, we have citizenship in heaven. Man, we have a lot of different citizenships here in, the, in this church. It's one of my favorite factors about our church. Amen. We can get to 17, 18, I don't know if we're at 19 now. Different citizenships. Not just the U.S., but from countries all over the world. Right here in this room. You guys, LCM, you understand citizenship. We're fighting for citizenship. 
we're, we're going to keep fighting for citizenship. But see, what this scripture is telling us is that citizenship, our citizenship, is first in heaven. But can I tell you that heaven is not our goal? Did, did, I just, did, I, did I just wobble you there in your seat? See, heaven is not the ultimate goal here. See, that is not a person who believes in the actual power of the resurrection on, because you're man. trying to escape. Yeah. Now we know, we celebrated those who have gone before us and are in the cloud now. Yes, but that is not where this is going to end up. The goal, listen to me, the goal is not just heaven. It's being transformed and being resurrected every day and one day finally in our body as a whole. See, we've got to eagerly await. Man, I want to change what I'm eagerly waiting on. I'm asking the Lord over the last few services, Lord, I feel that you're changing something inside of me. I know that resurrection is important, but am I eagerly longing for it to happen in my life? Am I eagerly wanting to see it day by day by day and then also in the future? Come on, that's good. See, that is a different look for us. That is a different thing that should shift it from an ideolo- ideology to something that is moving you and giving you power today. Somebody say today. Today. See, resurrection is supposed to bring about a longing and an eager expectation. It reminds me of Revelation 11. That the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. It has become. And I just wanted to do that in me first. I wanted to start right here. See, I didn't get a lot of things given to me from previous generations. But I sure am paying attention to what I'm getting and what I'm giving the next generations. See, you're not at a disadvantage no matter where you came from because you're sitting here now. And we've got the hope of the resurrection. We've got righteousness rising inside of us. And we can enjoy the power that God is moving in us even today. Here in this passage, it says that the same power that's going to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies. Anybody ever felt like your body was a little lowly? Anybody been feeling that way in the last little, little few days? We need His resurrection power, and we need it today. Not only to heal you when you are sick, but to cause you to be able to overcome every scheme of the enemy. Every a bit of power that you need is supposed to be transmitted to you. See, He will transform our lowly bodies. This is talking about the current transformation to be like His glorious body. See, He was crucified because of sin in the world, but He was raised because of the righteousness there. And so must we. Crucify that sin in our lives and be raised in righteousness in every way. This is a daily thought process. This is a daily power that we need because His power is at work in transforming us now because of righteousness that's rising. Amen. Hey, let's look at another passage that continues this line of thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 4. There we go. For while we are in this tent, we groan every time I take a step up the stairs. Bend down the tire, or actually standing up from tying my shoes. We groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. 
So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This is what we're longing. This is what we're yearning for. So yeah, every time I take a step up the stairs, resurrection power, resurrection power, resurrection power, righteousness rising. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. He's guaranteeing the resurrection power that will come, but also guaranteeing the resurrection power that's rising inside of you right now. See, our hope in the resurrection is supposed to produce a longing in us. We want to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling, that glorified body. We want what is mortal to be swallowed up by life. There's there's a tension that's supposed to be there. Every time something doesn't go right, it doesn't work right, some effect of sin and death is affecting your life. That's to create a tension. Because there's a resolve to that tension that we're to long for. The Spirit working in you is what resolves that tension. In that He is currently transforming your bodies. He will transform your bodies. And He's guaranteeing that He won't stop transforming until we are fully transformed to look just like Him. There's work that has been done by the Spirit. There's work that is being done by the Spirit. And there's work that will be done in the Spirit. Come on, say this with me. Say, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. In order for that work to be done, you have to depend upon the resurrection power that the Spirit as a deposit guarantees is there and available for you now. So that righteousness can rise within you and produce death or conquering over sin. Because of sin, we groan and are burdened in this body. But because of righteousness, the spirit he has deposited inside of you guarantees that you will rise. Amen. That life will swallow up death. Both then in the future and right now. Going, uh, we, we hammer going after sin in this church. And there's a reason why. Now, without holiness, nobody can see God. We want you to see God then, and we want you to see Him now. Yes. We want you to have eyes to see and ears to hear. What is God's will for you to do today? Not just ten years from now. Because if you are depending on that deposit guaranteeing what's to come today, you will accomplish God's will for you tomorrow. And how about this? Your families need to see righteousness rising inside of you. Your families need for resurrection power to be on display within your very home. That is the epicenter from which ministry flows. If resurrection power is not flowing from your home, then it's not going to flow out there on the streets. If righteousness is not rising within your home, then it's not going to rise in others out on the streets. Because when it's rising inside of you, Others begin to take notice. It's hard to miss. It's all over your face. It's all over your life. It draws people in to want to know, what do you have that I don't? Doesn't this make this the idea of having the Spirit inside of us such a beautiful thing? It makes it where it's not only His empowerment to you, it's literally the power of the resurrection coming inside of you and helping those things that are that need to be resurrected, that righteousness that needs to rise within you. That Spirit is what is guaranteeing. 
It's showing you that the power of things to change you now is what's going to be the same power that fully transforms you later. What a beautiful, beautiful thought of having the Spirit at work in us. Let's all turn to Colossians 1 and let's see how this continues on. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Now you're going to go ahead and get to get settled in here in Colossians. So get there, everybody in the room, turn to Colossians 1. You won't even need to leave this passage. We'll have the rest of the scriptures on the screen for you. Colossians 1, and we're going to start in 24. Somebody say, righteousness rising when you're there. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. Come on. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Man, what a densely packed few verses here. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is um, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Come on now, what does it look like to have sin sacked in your life and righteousness rising? See, you begin to rejoice. Look at verse 24. Let's put 24 back on the screen. You begin to rejoice in what you're suffering because you know that it's proof of what is rising inside of you and that that life that is rising inside of your life. See, suffering is a tool. I bet you didn't know that. I bet you did. You just don't like to know it. You just don't like to know that. Suffering is a tool used to produce transformation in you. Yes. Suffering is what is required to produce some transformation inside of you. But you understand that it's I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Amen. See, what you're suffering is not just about you. It's about others around you. This should be patently clear to you. This should be patently clear to this kind of church. Think about your struggles. Think about your struggles. I don't mean your neighbor's struggles. Think about yours, what, what your righteousness rising, would lo- it looks like. Come on now, we've had in this house, we've had too many miscarriages. Yeah. We've had those lost loved ones that we stood for in honor of them now being a part of the cloud of witnesses that envelop us. We've had some sicknesses that we've had to deal with. But what does that produce inside of us when we let the resurrection power, those things that we don't want, those things that we don't like, we don't like the suffering, but when we go through it with the hope, with the power of the resurrection, with that righteousness rising in us, what does it immediately give us the opportunity to do? Let's look at this slide and see. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See, we can rejoice in our suffering for others. Amen. That's how you know that righteousness is rising on the inside of you. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives. Whoa, hold up. Yeah, they do. Don't pretend like you know that better than you do. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows if we are distressed sounds like you're suffering to me 
If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and your salvation. Come on. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Everybody look up here for a second. Are y'all with me? If we suffer, it's for your sake so that you can find comfort from us, from the fact that the resurrection power is transforming us and we made it so you can make it. Amen. If we're comforted, guess what it's also for? Your comfort still. Yeah. I'm sensing a theme. (laughs) Whether they're suffering or we're on the comfort end of the suffering, on either side of this, it's for the people around us. Amen. His comfort is flowing. His sufferings are flowing to us. And what flows out of us is supposed to be a resurrected, righteously rising kind of spirit inside of us that helps everybody around us. Amen. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also get to share in the comfort. Amen. Has anybody ever been comforted by another brother or sister yes. in this house? Yes. How are you comforted? You're comforted because they suffered. Righteousness rose up within them. Yes. And the power of the resurrection saved their lives. Yes. It transformed Amen. their lives. And they are now able to share that with you. Come on, man. <sighs> What is the Word of God showing us? See, it's not only for His sake that we endure all things. The Word of God says we also endure for the sake of God's people. That's why we're enduring. That's why we can rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice. It's not just tolerating. It's not just surviving. It's rejoicing. You're going, thank you, Lord, that you're giving me something through this suffering that somebody else is going to desperately need. Boy, doesn't that, that, should, that should feel like the resurrection of God. That should feel like yes. His resurrection power is starting to rise within you. It's not you just trying to be tough. It's you rejoicing in sufferings because it's showing the power of the resurrection is alive in you and it's alive now. Amen. My God, thank you, Lord, for the sufferings. Thank you for this because we get to endure. Why? Because of the righteousness that's rising inside of us. Somebody amen. say amen. Every one of us have gleaned the, the benefits and the fruit of each other, letting righteousness rise inside of us. Come on, what is it like whenever we see our brother and sister with a big smile on their face, dancing in worship when they just received the worst news possible? What is it like whenever we show up for church even though we are sick and we feel horrible, we feel like junk, but we're forcing our flesh to rejoice in the name of Jesus? That brings inspiration and life. It causes righteousness to rise inside of me as I see it rising inside of you. Isn't that part of the problem, though? We get a lot of things said about us because we're actually living wholeheartedly towards the Lord. Yeah. And people don't like that. But isn't that part of it? Wouldn't it be better that you that you just stayed off by yourself? Wouldn't it be better if you went away when you're weak, when you're not feeling well, when you're suffering? Why don't you go hide so we don't have to think about your suffering and you just go get better magically and then come back to us? What you miss is this. Yeah. What you miss is the encouragement of other people going, man, 
They're, they're standing strong in the midst of difficulty. Not, not in spite of, in the midst of it, they're standing yes. strong. Man, I want to be stronger like that. That's right. If they can do it, I can do it. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead that's working them, it can rise up inside of me too. Amen. Come on, that's what you miss when you say go home. That's what you miss when you don't live the life that we're, that the Lord has given us as a church. This way of life is designed to strengthen you and give you resurrection power because of the suffering of your brothers and sisters. Amen. Hey, this continues in Colossians. As we look further within that verse, we read, And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is His church. Also, not only are we going to rejoice in our sufferings because they are a benefit for you, But we're also going to look forward. We're going to pursue filling up the sufferings that yet remain. That suffering that has to be completed. Oh, we haven't got to a stopping point yet. That I long to have my flesh filled up with sufferings for the sake of his body. For the sake of his church. I can't tell you how many revelations. Well, every sign that you see on this wall came as a result of us seeking to fill up in our flesh the afflictions of Christ that were lacking. That revelation came at that time of deep desperation when we were crying out for righteousness to rise inside of us. And it now serves as a pillar for us to anchor our hope to that defines exactly who we are. Being found in Christ is being found in His afflictions. Physically. Physically. See, doing the will of God, it's going to cost you something. It costs you your comfort. You relinquish the right for ease and comfort when you are a son and daughter of the king. Because it's only when you participate in the same afflictions of Christ that then you can be entitled to the same glory of Christ. That you can be entitled to the same resurrection power of Christ. Let me tell you something, church. This attitude is what this church was built on. It is not my right to hold on to my life. I start at the place of death. And I expect resurrection life to carry me one day to the next. What we're seeking is a righteousness to rise within us. Whenever we are distressed. We've all been sick here recently. But the way that this looks. Is in that desperation. Of when in the world. Is this sickness actually going to go away. It lingers. I get better for one day. I return back to the grave the next. So when is this going to end? Mighty God. I need your resurrection power. I'm going to fight this thing again. I'm going to get my kids to take some Pam, spray it on their hands, lay hands on my forehead. I'm going to get them to command life in my body in the name of Jesus. I'm going to put my feet on the floor in the morning at the time I should and force my body to get out of bed and do the will of God. Because it's what's required for righteousness to begin to rise inside of me. Some other things that have built this church is an attitude that says there's no distance too far to travel to do the will of God. You know the history of who we are. 
And we'll go to Turkey and drive left or north, south, east, west. We'll even go horizontal. Spend days in the car in order to seek out a man of peace that a future work can be built upon. There's no commitment too serious for us to avoid. And I don't just mean missions commitment. Let's start in the home front. Let's start with our marriage covenants. That doing the will of God will cost you the comfort of just avoiding dealing with what it takes to get in shalom in your marriage covenant. That you start at a place of, I am dead. I no longer live, but it's Christ in me. And righteousness needs to rise inside of me right now to resurrect my marriage covenant. It's also necessary for our parenting. Lord, I need the discernment that comes from righteousness rising inside of me. So that I can detect and destroy the sin in my household. I can let righteousness rise inside of them because it's rising inside of me. I can hate the sin within me and help them hate the sin within them. It's from that point of a marriage covenant and parenting that then you can have righteousness rising in ministry flowing out of your home. And the worst thing that we can do is run away from the responsibilities that God has given us to let righteousness rise in our home and run to this false idea of success outside the home. God will make sure that that doesn't work, that you fall on your face, because where God's heart is, is for righteousness to rise inside of your home, in your marriage, in your parenting, because it's about the generations. That's why we started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and continued to Joseph. Hey, church, have you ever uh, procrastinated doing something just because you didn't want to? Let me think about that. Hmm. Hmm. That is a sign that you are not filling up in your flesh what's still lacking in Christ's afflictions. Every time that we have a yearning, every time that we want to run towards comfort, and we're not pressing forward. When you don't go and step out and say, I want that commitment. I need and take care of the kids. It'd be so much easier to turn on a video, but I need to step in and do something. It'd be so much easier to watch a Netflix show, but I need to pastor my wife. And those things that you are intentionally putting off, and it's not that you don't know that it's there, it's just that you're not engaging in it. This is what we're talking about. This is the practical outcome of us engaging and filling up in our flesh. Yes. Not just in our mind, not just in our heart, but in our flesh what we're actually engaging in what we have to stand up and do every single day that shows that we're filling ourselves with the same thing of the resurrection power and the righteousness that must be rising inside of us anybody understand what i'm talking about see church the whole goal of you filling up in your flesh what is lacking in christ's afflictions is that there's a benefit awaiting the church There's a benefit awaiting the body. So when you walk through these doors, whenever you fellowship with each other at your houses or you go to work, the power of Christ's resurrection is at work within your marriage. And it's overflowing to your work. It's overflowing to this church body. When your household is in right order and your children are acting as they should, that is a blessing to this body. That's a blessing. It's a benefit. Let's put up the next slide. When we fill up in our flesh what is lacking for the body of Christ, we see 2 Corinthians 4, 7 at work. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now that phrase, in our body, that is in our physical body. But in light of what we just read in Colossians 1, it's also in the body of Christ. That whenever the power of God is displayed through us physically, everyone else in the body of Christ benefits from that same righteousness rising. We need to have that life of Jesus Christ being revealed in your actual body. Not only in your desires, not only in your thoughts, not only in your heart, but actually in what you're doing. Seeing the power of God overcoming in every way. Let's read verse 25 in Colossians 1. It says this, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Who's its servant here? It's the body of Christ. It's the servant of the church of the living God. This is who Paul has been commissioned by God to serve. He is serving the church. What an honorable and noble thing to be able to serve the church. That's not just Paul's responsibility. That's not just our responsibility because we're standing on the stage. That is our responsibility because we are a part of the church of this body. To present the gospel in its fullness. Isn't that what the Lord's been showing us the last few services? How to present the gospel in its fullness? It's not just about Jesus Christ coming to earth and living a life and dying on the cross and rising again. That's the first three or four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. we got a lot more to cover with somebody. See, a heart of evangelism is not an elevator speech that you're throwing at someone as you run off. It's a lifestyle of presenting the fullness of the Word of God to someone. Come on now, a heart that understands that all of 1 Corinthians 15 is just barely the beginning to make sure that you're saying the gospel, much less showing the gospel. See, a heart that is so rising in righteousness that our words, our lives, our actions, our homes are all testifying to the fullness. Somebody say fullness. Fullness. The fullness of the Word of God. Can you say today that your life is a testimony of the fullness of the Word of God? Let's look at this next slide. See, we want to present the Word of God in its fullness. Why? For the people around us. For the world that our evangelism, that our heart, that they might see in us a resurrection power, a righteousness rising that allows them to get a part, a taste A little glimpse of the fullness that is God's Word. Look at Colossians 2. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in a very ethereal kind of ghostly form. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Christ. And, somebody say and. And. That's not where it stops. And you have been given fullness in Christ. Yeah, you have. You have been given fullness in Christ. Did you hear what Alicia, what she encouraged us during worship? That you, that you have been given every spiritual gift that you need, everything you need for life and godliness. 
being given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised. You've had that sin cut away and the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. I hope that these verses, some of these verses that we're sharing with you are beginning to hit you in a different way. Do you see how many times resurrection is alluded to? It's talked about. We're seeing it underlying almost every verse that we're reading to you. That the power of the resurrection, not only buried in baptism, but raised through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. See, if this then is how you've been transformed, then you must present that full gospel, that full 1 Corinthians 15, hope of the resurrection, the gospel kind of fullness of the word. That's what you are responsible to present to others. It's your common mission, your commission. There is no other gospel that can be presented. It's not enough to have the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15. You've got to have the whole thing. Isn't this what... The apostles got in trouble for in Acts 4 and in so many different places. Why? Because they were preaching that in Jesus they found the resurrection from the dead. They were saying this and it became a problem for the people around them because they were actually presenting the fullness of the gospel. And that bothered the people around them. Come on, how many times can you present some watered down version of of the word and no one ever get offended at you? No one, everybody goes, okay, that sounds, sounds like a good deal. You mean I win now and I win later? That's fantastic. It's a great thought. See, when you present the full gospel, yeah. you have some that are drawn because they, it's the fragrance of life to them, and others, it is the stench of death, and That's they want right. nothing to do with you. That's right. See, we're going to present the full gospel here at LCM. You're going to live the full gospel. You're going to understand that it's more than just about a few words that you're sharing, but you are trying to present the fullness of the gospel to the people around you. On that full gospel is righteousness rising inside of you, inside of others. Let's continue in Chronicles uh, or Colossians 1. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, you and me, the glorious riches of this mystery. This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery that is now disclosed to the saints? Christ in you. And that hope of glory is the hope of resurrection power in you now and the one that will be displayed then. You're walking containers of Christ's glory at work within you now. When you wake up and you don't look pretty... Christ is still in you. When you're sick and you feel like junk, Christ is still in you. When circumstances go south and not everything is working out as it should, Christ is still in you. That is the hope of glory that you have now and that you have then. But you know what? What is the real purpose of Christ in you? Is that inside of you, there is a physical, tangible, visible Source of righteousness rising inside of you. You are God's chosen instrument to display righteousness rising. But we have a responsibility to this. Of Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have a responsibility. Let's go to the next slide. 
that by having Christ in you, the hope of glory, it continues in Colossians 1, verse 28. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Come on, we have a responsibility to be a herald, to proclaim to the world this resurrection power of righteousness rising inside of us and that can rise inside of them. And those whose hearts respond, we admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom that comes from the word. Once again, this begins in your own household. Admonish and teach everyone in your own household with all wisdom. So that we may present everyone in our own household perfect in Christ. Let's deal with the responsibilities that God has given us as righteousness rise inside of us as heads of household. I expect righteousness to rise inside the rest of my household. Because yeah. God's desire is thereby my desire. I want everyone to stand before the King of Kings perfect, without blemish, free from accusation. And this is how we do it. Verse 29. To this end, to this talios, I labor. Struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. See, our responsibility to proclaim, admonish, teach, present perfect everyone that God has given us, it takes his resurrection power to accomplish that. I can't do it with my intellect. There's not much really there. I can't do it with my own power. There's not much really there. But you know what is there? Christ in me. You know what's in me? Righteousness that is rising day after day after day that will allow me to present everyone that God has given me perfect as they stand before him. Let's look at this last slide. Take a look at this. See what Colossians 1 has shown us today is that we're supposed to rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because it matters for others. That we are supposed to fill up in our flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Why? Because the body of Christ needs us to do so. See, when we allow righteousness to rise within us, we are able to begin to do these things. We're seeing on a daily way how the resurrection power of God is at work in us. We are then able to present the Word of God in its fullness. Why? Because we've seen it and we've experienced it in its fullness. We've seen it work and raise our lives from the dead. We've watched it help us to overcome the areas of sin in our life, yeah. even in our own flesh, and we're able to overcome. So then we present the fullness of the Word of God. We are able, because of righteousness rising in us, to have Christ in you be the hope of glory, to let it be seen and let it resonate with others. Church, I have one question for you tonight, today. What effects of sin do you have that you need to conquer and rise above in order to have Christ's righteousness rise in you through his transforming power? See, it's one thing to talk about these things, but if we're always only leaving this hope somewhere else, if we're never actually just rejoicing in suffering, if we're never filling up in our flesh, looking to fill up in our own lives, in our own bodies, in our own flesh, what is still lacking? 
We're looking for it. We're not afraid of it. We're not running from it. We are looking to fill it up in our lives because we trust that that power that raised Christ from the dead is going to help us to win. It's going to help us to overcome. It is actually going to be Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of that power that allows that righteousness to rise within us. Well, let's stand to our feet. And as we're reflecting on our own hearts, our own mind, our own lives, remember this. The Lord wants righteousness to rise inside of you. He has given you His Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come, both in the resurrection and resurrection power that's available now. As we begin to open up this altar, ask the Lord to show you what what needs to be put to death so that righteousness can rise. What needs to die here at this altar, but also start, start a process that is continually putting that to death on a daily basis, so that on a daily basis, righteousness can rise within you. Because that is what God's design is for you. You are a container that He wants to dwell in, that He wants His hope of glory to shine forth. Mighty God, we surrender to you right now our heart, our minds, Lord, our own perspectives of ourselves. And we ask that your spirit come. Come and measure and weigh our hearts. Lord, may we not be self-deceived. May we not overlook an area, but truly see what you see that needs to be put to death so that righteousness can rise within us. Help us, mighty God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your power as we rise in that righteousness that we may reflect you rightly. You in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.